You are listening to a special edition iFanboy podcast on X-Men Days of Future Past. If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Hello, welcome to the Special Edition iFanboy podcast on X-Men Days of Future Past. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hey there. And making his grand return to iFanboy is iFanboy co-founder and now ruler of Image Comics, Ron Richards. (laughs) I'm back, baby. I don't ruler is a bit extreme, but uh, <laughs> but after uh, numerous people requesting me my presence and uh, figure with the movie being X Men related, I was it's time to come come back off the bench and and, and step up to the mic. We figured this would be the appropriate time, so welcome <laughs> back, man. It was partially the people asking. It was partially you threatening. It was a lot of there were a lot of things that went into the mix in this one. But uh, well, it was it, it was tough because I've been on a media blackout for this movie. Like I've been ignoring. I didn't watch any trailers. I've, the only trailer I saw was the one before Amazing Spider Man, mm-hmm. and I didn't read anything. I've just been nothing. And honestly, I didn't know if I wanted to do it either to do the podcast. <laughs> I was like, because I get I get worried. I get really really worried. So uh, this is this is interesting. This is the um, film that brings together the two casts of X Men movies. You have the original trilogy cast of Brad Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman, etc. And then you have the new cast of James McAvoy and and Jennifer Lawrence and Michael Fassbender. And they all come together in this time travel epic in which, uh, based you know slightly thematically, a bit pl- plot wise, on the classic X Men Days of Future Past story in which. In a in a in a horrible future in which the Sentinels have taken over the the Earth and are killing all the uh, the mutants, the in this story, Professor Xavier and Magneto and Iceman and Kitty Pride send Wolverine back because not only can he withstand the travel, he's also the biggest star in the movie. So they send him back to the, <laughs> the, to the past to set things right where once went wrong, and uh, and that's where we are. And this sort of brings merges both trilogies together into one movie, one mega Fast and the Furious Seven movie what they're calling it so um <sighs> let's get started there'll be spoilers this, this is your spoiler warning we can't talk about the movie without spoiling it so if you haven't seen the film for some reason you're listening pause the show and, and don't get spoiled but uh well b- before we start talking about the movie do, mm-hmm. do we connor do we need to recollect the uh the last time we saw the classic cast in a movie <laughs> well let's let's go back and just recap it so so paul yeah um, what were your feel, quick feelings on the original trilogy? The original trilogy, I re- yeah. I remember. I mean, I remember the time when we were using sort of X two as the, that that was the bar, right. right? That was the best superhero film at that time. And I remember, I mean, the original X Men movie um, was sort of what got me back into like, hey, what's going on with comics right now? I haven't I've been checking out comics for a long time since I was you know a kid and. You know, so I started picking up trades, and then as more movies were coming out and things were going on, and I discovered this podcast, um, I started getting into weekly books. So, and then your, li- and then your life was ruined. <laughs> my, my, yeah, it was, it was it was a big turn. It's all it's all X Men and that that Statue of Liberty fight sequence. That it's all that fault. You know, I noticed Paul didn't mention X Men United in there. The uh, or the X Men: The Last Stand. I'm sorry. The- I went to see that in theaters and. Um, I was the only one who gasped in horror when Magneto lost his powers. Because he's my favorite <laughs> character. So, um, uh, God, so many names. Ron, you're not yes. Josh or Paul. 
Uh, did we see X2 together at the Zigfield in the Manhattan? Probably. I, I saw it there. I remember the, having the yeah. memory of seeing it. We definitely saw X-Men The Last Stand together. Oh, yes. Uh, quite famously in the X-Men The Last Stand podcast, which you can, you can go back and listen to. It might make a nice book into this. I'll, I will link it in the show notes. <laughs> um, the, the movie that almost destroyed Ron emotionally well, and that was, spiritually. I, I, was, I was recounting that uh, experience uh, last night as we were come, walking out of X-Men Days of Future Past. I was telling the story about how um, at the end of X-Men The Last Stand, I was so slack-jawed and horrified that I, I, I was catatonic. Yeah. And it was, it was so publicly bad that the stranger sitting in the row behind us asked Connor if I was going to be okay. <laughs> like, hey, is that guy all right? Like, what's the matter? Like, <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. That, that moment flashed in my mind as I watched the end of this, as the credits rolled in this film, and actually yes. wishing that I had been, been with you for this one because uh, I felt, jumping into it, that this film really sort of redeemed that original trilogy and mostly because they retconned out the third movie exactly i connor no joke i so as soon as the movie finished i texted connor in all caps holy shit because (laughs) i was literally sitting in my chair with that same slack-jawed look on my face but for the exact opposite reason Mm -hmm. yeah like i I, uh, unbelievable as soon as i realized what they were doing i was like oh man that's genius and the great thing about it is that before this movie started at least in my theater they had a special feature presentation on brett ratner's next movie hercules oh god with dwayne johnson (laughs) and it's funny seeing brett ratner on the screen and uh and this whole movie is sort of a big f you to brett ratner and deservedly so what, what I, 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 I love what, this movie. What I, 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 I'm so so elated at this movie. I'm yeah. so happy about it because I was so worried that X Men First Class was like. If you asked me, that was like that was it. That was the X Men movie we always wanted. It was set in the past. It was so cool. It was groovy. It had Magneto had his Beetle boots on. Yeah. It was like it was great. And the merging of the two casts and Brian Singer coming back and excuse me. Of course, I come back to the podcast and I have a cold, so bear with me. But um, but. Th- this movie just to me had all the earmarks of a potential disaster. It did. It Cons- really did. Considering, considering that Brian Singer has not had the best track record since X two, you know, there's the Superman movie and all that, all, all this Even other for, kind for of stuff. For anybody, it's it was a super ambitious, you know, you, thing the to take cast on. Is so unwieldy. You've got to you've got to make sure that the old cast and the new cast all get their moment. And it's a lot of characters and a lot of balls in the air. And you have to also deal with the weight of the history of this story, which is so. Right. Often, you know, mentioned as the best X Men story of all time by some people, and so you're you're dealing with all of that. And I thought he really pulled it off. He really is at home in this world with these characters. Yeah. Now, now, the, now, the, my total bullet point, you know, top line is that um, I can't believe they. Um, I'm shocked that this might be the best Brian Singer X Men movie, mm-hmm. and this might even be the best Brian Singer movie. Like aside from just X Men, like this was a really well crafted. I, like as I'm watching it, I was like, "Wow, this is really Singer at his best." And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was um, working off of Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman's script or mm-hmm. their story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it, so it still kept the spirit and the value of X Men First Class, but it factored in Brian Singer's f- uh, filmmaking approach. And so, it's you know, I think this might be the, one of the best Brian Singer movies ever. And additionally, it retconned the the it, it fixed the movies. <laughs> we ever had a movie retcon another movie before. I know, I know. This Which is, is great because un- I never actually bought that movie, so I don't have to worry about it now because this it is unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. So, so quickly, quickly, just to recap the story. So Wolverine is sent back in time to into his old body to gather Magneto and Professor Xavier together. In 73. To, in 1973 right. to stop Mystique from killing Bolivar Trask, the inventor of 
the Sentinels, pl- awesomely played by Peter Dinklage, really who, awesomely. Who, yeah. um, it, uh, what his upon his murder will will cause this dystopian future to happen because they will they will capture Mystique, use her DNA to make these replicating Sentinels that can uh, adapt to who they're fighting, kind of like Amazo and, and DC. Yeah, and uh, and that's that's where they're all screwed. So they go back to try to stop her, and that is the adventure that happens as Meg, as Wolverine tries to gather the band back together in a really awesome first half of the movie. And then uh, stop them all from killing each other in the second half of the movie. And I thought everyone's performances were great. I love. I, let's let's talk about Quicksilver. Oh, talk about stealing the show. That was a, that was a huge mocked, surprise. Everyone yep. mocked when they saw the, the his costume and the way he looked. And, and the it's commercial. still bad. It's still a bad costume. It doesn't matter. He was awesome. The performance. It was, it was a highlight, highlight of the movie. Highlight of the movie. We, we were talking at this bar after the film. We had to grab a drink and talk about it and. His breaking Magneto out of jail, in which he was in jail for murdering JFK, uh, was uh, the Nightcrawler inter- you know, breaks into the White House scene for this yes, film. It yeah, was the it was scene where you just were like, holy shit. The, the, wait, wait, but, but we're even going to – there's so much about this movie that, that, <laughs> it, that just blows my mind. So you mentioned this in 1973 and Magneto's in jail for, for the suspected killing of Kennedy because – and you're like, oh, the bullet moved. You know, like, of <laughs> course, that's why. You know, but then it's later revealed that he, he was trying to protect Kennedy because Kennedy was, Kennedy was a mutant. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great runner. Throughout the movie, it's great. <laughs> and then, and then, what 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 I thought was fascinating was that, um, you know, so they they need to figure out a way to to break out Magneto out of this uh, prison that's got no metal in it, that's deep beneath the Pentagon. And Wolverine's like, "Oh, I know a guy, right?" And yeah. and, and they go to try to find him, and they find Peter Maximoff. Yep. And what's great is, as we all know, that's Quicksilver. And when he does break, when he does finally get down to Magneto and he goes, oh, you can, you can control metal, huh? My mom knew a guy who could do that. Mm-hmm. And Magneto gives him a side look. And it's like a great subtle tie into the fact of like, is Quicksilver Magneto's kid or not? You it's, know? There like, you, it's there if you want it. Too. Yeah, he had a little sister with red hair wearing a, wearing a dress. You know, like, oh, it was, it was like, talk about like the Easter eggs of this movie were laid in in such a way that they weren't, they were fan service, but in a way that they didn't get in the way of the movie. Yeah, yep. just as Paul Very said, it was there. if you wanted it to be there, it yep. was there. If not, it was just a little joke, and it was fine. And uh, I was actually sad when he never came back. I was really expecting him to come back for the finale to show up, yep. to help save the day. But, but I, how do you, how do you top you know that that time in a bottle sequence? No, there was I, such a pop in my audience. Like they ate that up. It was just such a great moment. It was really funny. Um, it's a it's a great depiction, and it's funny because we were just on the pick of the week show talking about depictions of you know. Yeah, super speed and what? How do they experience that? And this is a great, you know, iteration of that. It was wonderful. It, and the, the, yeah, the, the the music choice was like very um, echoing X Men First Class with being of the time, and it was just like. And honestly, the costume wasn't that bad. He was wearing a Pink Floyd T shirt, and he yeah. had a silver jacket. Who cares? You know, mm-hmm. like um, I think it's just it the goggles. Of, it, was, it was kind of that seventies sort of <laughs> yeah. you know uh, glam jacket, which worked for the time yeah. period. And again, if we want to talk about the tone or the 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 atmosphere you know the whereas first class was very sort of 60s cool and mod this this had that kind of cool 70s tone too with the muscle cars and uh, yep. the water beds and the lava lamps and the and the pink floyd t-shirt oh, i mean and i like the, and, and awesome hair on everybody while yep. we're on that while we're on that tact that moment where mystique goes out the building and it's all found footage oh my god i love that that, that looks so great yeah, so th- there's a scene in Paris where the, basically the pivotal moment where Mystique is going to wh- – where Mystique originally murders Boulevard Trask and the – you know, 
X-Men of Wolverine, Professor X and uh, Beast and, and Magneto go to stop her. And then it turns into this whole public kind, which I thought was great. Like she basically Magneto turns on everybody and he grabs a gun and he's going to kill Mystique to stop it, you know, basically to do like whatever means necessary. The Magneto approach, like if, if Mystique is the cause to their uh, mutants destruction, then he's going to kill her and that'll just that'll kill it. And she runs out. She jumps out the window into a courtyard full of people and cameras all covering the peace accord, the post-Vietnam peace accord. And it becomes this mutant kind of exposure to the world. And Singer mixed it with the footage of people at the scene, like that old, old 70s film footage with the with the regular movie footage. I thought that was great. That was yeah. such a great touch. That I'm made really, really impressed cool. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when Wolverine is when he first wakes up and he opens the shades and he looks out into Man- Times Square and it's old yeah. footage of Times Square, and it, yeah. it works pretty seamlessly. Like, I thought there was a really great technical aspect of this film as well. Um, yeah. I liked, and I thought, I thought, you know, everyone complained that we make jokes about Hugh Jackman being the lead, but you know, he's awesome. He's great. Although, and you want to see him. He- when I- when he woke up and he was all veiny, the yeah. veins me out now. I don't know if that's because he's fifty or whatever, or whatever's going on. But like that first scene when we saw him with his shirt off, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, the veins go away." But then, I mean, if you go back and look at the original X Men movie, like he's not nearly that big. It's funny how big mm-hmm. he's got playing this character. But yeah, um, I like you know I like that he had the bone claw, so he couldn't just go in and cut through everything and rip the Sentinels apart. Like he, you know, he couldn't actually do much against them. Yep, I like that aspect of it, making him vulnerable in that way, and. uh it just it was such a great cast. I, I loved the scene when McAvoy goes in Wolverine's head and ends up talking to Patrick Stewart, his older self. Yeah. Well, what, what what that that's a good point because honestly, like my biggest concern was that was was with the large cast and with the idea of the uh, you know Singer X Men cast versus the Vaughn X Men cast. How is the interplay going to be? The movie is is like seventy five percent set in nineteen seventy three with the with the first class cast. Yeah, it's a first class um, movie. Yeah, it's a first. It totally is a first class movie. I thought the balance between the future X Men was just enough. Those future X Men, they made they made out like bandits on their paychecks for this film. They didn't have a lot to do. I mean, mean, they didn't have a lot to do. How much did Adam Backlund get paid for that? Little smile and nod, and then well, I I guess there was she was in more of it that got cut out, but still, but um, but yeah, no, but there was just enough. Like they didn't try to cram the singer X Men down your throat. It was just enough to to support the story. That said, the opening sequence in the future where we get where we see. Kitty Pride and Iceman and Blink and Warpath and Sunspot and Bishop and uh, like as an X-Men fan that was it was done right it was totally done right the use of Blink's powers were awesome yes. to finally see Iceman ice up and 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 um skate down the ice slide yeah like oh like that was like it was an X-Men dream come true it was fantastic and we didn't get a it was mainly fight scenes we didn't get a lot of character you know characterization we I don't think we even heard Sunspot talk but um, I don't care. It was it was totally perfect. It was like and and now that said though, of course, you know I, I wouldn't be an X Men fan without some nitpicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if we want to get into the nitpicks, but that's kind of <laughs> well. <laughs> kind of, if you bring it up, l- let me ask my question before you yeah. get into yours. Does Kitty Pride have that power? No, that's the one thing. Okay. That's the that's the one thing. And I feel like I, that's their that's their one thing that they can sort of get away with. That's you have to buy into that, and it's in the yes. beginning of the movie, and yep. they they stay consistent with it. And you're like, okay, that's what you have to buy into. Fine, Kitty Pride. Right. Yeah, except that, except there's no reason to have Kitty. I, I mean, I I guess I, the, the challenge with it is is because as everyone knows, the original comics it was Kitty who gets sent back in the past. Right. And they can't do that because Kitty's not wouldn't be alive at that point and for all the reasons that they could. So if they want to keep Kitty involved in the process, then okay, I'll give it to him. I understand. Right. That, that, you know. Um, Secondary mutation. 
Right, I guess, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, but then also you have that extra – since it's not like a machine or a portal that they go through, yep. you know, tying it to her um, her well-being, you know, she has to be okay. Wolverine has to be okay. Sure, yeah. And so you get that yeah. moment where she gets stabbed and she's got to – She's got to, you know, work through it. And then when, uh, especially that moment where Bobby has to go out and, you know, help defend uh, their yep. little HQ there. Um, and they can't, you know, that, that this is, that's just, how, he's going to die. They know that he's not going to survive this, but we got to keep doing, you know, our little role in this. And Kitty's got to yep. continue to focus on, on keeping Wolverine back in the past. And he's got to do his part. Um, and that adds a great level of, of heart to it. And, and there's an extra oh, yeah. level of tension as well. Yeah, no, and it totally worked. It just as the X Men purist, sure. it was like, oh. no, certainly. Um, additionally, as the X Men purist, I I can't say I loved either Sentinel design. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I think I think they fell fell for the trap of 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 modern you know movie production design and mm-hmm. made it all kind of you know whatever. And like it, the the future Sentinels remind me more of the Matrix mm-hmm. than anything, and and the the seventy Sentinels didn't look. They look too futuristic for the seventies, even you know, like um, yeah. someone mentioned in my group how they, they their power or their their big mega blast was almost the same design as the destroyer, destroyer Thor. From Thor. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, and I was a little disappointed. I, the seventies one was closer to the original comic design than the, the future one, but it, yeah. I agree with you. I didn't super love those designs. And and generally tying back to the Sentinels, um, I don't know how you do Days of Future Past without that classic moment of a Sentinel frying Wolverine down to a skeleton. Right. And and I understand Wolverine is a key part of this movie, but if they established in the beginning of the movie that they were fighting the Sentinels and then sending Bishop back to a couple of days before to make sure they avoid the Sentinels, mm-hmm. you could have easily done a sequence where Wolverine gets fried and then they go back and it undoes it. Right. It would have been yeah. shocking for the audience. But then right. But I think that would have revealed – that would have blown the reveal because everyone would have known Hugh Jackman wasn't dead. Because True. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I don't know. I I I feel like I feel like that's like when I think of Days of Future Past. That the, there's two there are two glimpses in my head. And it's both those covers. Well, the awful the awful almost death with the rebar didn't do it for you. I was gonna say that feels like they swapped it out for that where Magneto uses the rebar, and that's also what reminiscent of that moment where. And I remember this from like the trading cards before I was even reading comics, where Magneto pulls the adamantium, adamantium out of out of his pores, basically. So I thought that was a little okay. nod to that. That whole that whole scene, by the way, I I had I'm like, holy shit, does Brian Singer know? <laughs> like, how, exactly. How, how the hell is there a a rebar attack in this movie? It's like this movie was made for me. It was, it was not like, only attack, but it was it was a slow, brutal attack, and I just it was so uncomfortable during mm-hmm. that scene. Oh. Of all things, rebar. Oh, I rebar was like, I had through his body. I had to look away. That was the, the great part about it because I thought about you guys <laughs> whenever I see rebar now. <laughs> I gotta admit that the, the last time I was freaked out by a movie that much was High Fidelity, and Connor knows why. But it, was, <laughs> it was it was just uncomfortable. But I, yeah. you know, this was they, we were talking also after the movie about how how lucky, sort of not lucky, but kind of lucky that they got that they had this cast in place before a lot of them became big stars, and they're all really great actors like Jennifer Lawrence and Michael Fassbender, and that they they get to keep using them for these films. Mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, you know they could very easily have bailed out, but it it's good. a it's a it really great cast. It was good to see Fassbender held the held the accent. Yeah, <laughs> he, did, he didn't switch back to Irish, or you know, like that was good. He was great. Um, 
I thought McAvoy was really good. McAvoy yes. was. Yeah, I think he. Was, I think he was better in this than he was in in uh, the first one. And I and I love I love playing with the idea that you know these you know seeing into other or listening to other people's thoughts will really mess you up. And that Cerebro sequence was like really yeah. effectively kind of scary, mm-hmm. and you know yeah. kind of nightmarish. And and uh, to see that he'd make those choices to, you know, not just to regain the ability to walk, but you know, to get those voices out of his head, he'd continue yep. to use that serum. So that was that was a good device as well. And and also the you know the sacrifice the sacrifice of the decision to go back into the wheelchair, you know, like to let his yep. powers work. Yeah. And um, that said, tying back to the power suppression serum or whatever, is I really I just can't stand the beast uh, character design. Oh really? Yeah, I just I don't. Every time he turned into the blue thing, I just didn't like it. It just I don't know. But I think I think they had me at that point, so I didn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look like a, like a cat or whatever. I like it. I really, I really like his character though, and I like the yeah. sort of stealthy yeah. kind of relationship story there that he still cares about. You know, Mystique. He cares about Raven, and a lot of his choices are entirely based on that. And there was actually a point towards the end where, if, when he started, you know, jamming those syringes into his thigh, I thought. Wouldn't it be interesting? He had that conversation with Wolverine where he said, do I make it? And Wolverine says, no. And he said, but we can change that. What if, you know, since they're rewriting history here, and that was evident that that's what they were doing, what if we get to a point where, you know, where Beast sacrifices himself for the greater good and Wolverine is the only one who, you know, remembers that, um, especially in the younger generation who aren't around in 73, and he has to, you know, tell everybody about his friend but, Beast. But he but, saw Beast. The, but he saw Beast in the future when he when he woke up. No, yeah, I know. I said, what if we're yeah. leading to that, and then they didn't go that direction, and that's great uh, because you know you get to see Kelsey Grammer Beast, and that was Kelsey yeah. Grammer, right? Yeah. Let's let's yeah. talk about that ending scene, which was amazing. Which, in which yes, it was. So Wolverine wakes up in his in the future. After so, basically, what happens is. The whatever Wolverine does to change in the past will wipe out the future, and when he wakes up, it'll be in this. He'll be in this new reality, and he wakes up in the mansion and uh, does a nice little walk through the hallways of all. The, it's full of kids, it's full of students, and he he sees all of his old friends, all the ones in the past who had been killed, alive, culminating in the audience-inducing gasp of Jean Grey, who the, yep. the audience went berserk when she showed up, and then uh, Ron, I'm sure your favorite moment when well, uh, when, when Cyclops shows up. <laughs> It, it was a bittersweet moment because it was it was I, yeah I, and I gasped like as as he's walking you saw that uh, and admittedly I think they overdid they turned up the dial on the red on her hair on the wig yeah they did. Um, it was like super red but whatever and she's wearing a red dress and stuff like that but that moment when I was like oh my god it's Jean and then that was the moment where I realized what ha- what they were doing mm-hmm. and then and then of course you know and and Wolverine goes Jean and goes to her and then Cyclops stops his hand. And I was like, oh, my God, I got, I got all giddy. But then they showed him and those dumb glasses. <laughs> <laughs> like they couldn't take this opportunity to fix it and give him a good visor. Come on. It was like, you oh, rewrote man. history. You can rewrite those glasses. Exactly. Exactly. But that was a really, really nice moment. It was a really nice way to end it. It was um, I, I mean, it, I mean it was, as an X-Men fan, it, it like it, fi- it fixed it. It fixed yeah. everything like it was it was great. Well, uh, rewind, oh, rewind a little bit before the gene reveal. You've got the moment where Bobby's at the door and you think he's talking to Kitty and it's Rogue. Yeah. And then, no, you see, and then you see and Kitty then as a teacher, and then you see, uh, I mean, it's it's a little, it's even more subtle. Colossus yeah. is there in the corner. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and Kelsey, and you said Kelsey Grammer version of Beast, which which they had said he wasn't in. I like that they they saved a lot of those reveals. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they were not they were not spoiled beforehand because it was a nice moment. I would have. It would have been, it, that was a great final scene, and it would have been much lessened if they had spoiled all that. Yeah. Uh, and would it would it have killed them in this in the in this end sequence to have a kid with like pink hair walk by? 
I was well, thinking I thought, about that. I, I thought for a moment there he was going to wake up and have been the headmaster because it was yeah. far enough in the future. But he's the history that, teacher, which nod is nod to kind the of fun. comics. Yeah, to yeah. the current comics, right? Yeah. right. Although the only thing I well, my only minor nitpick for that was he shouldn't have gray streaks in his hair. If everyone else is still yeah, yeah. <laughs> still as young as they are in the future, he shouldn't have aged that much. But yeah, I can get I can get the stress of living with the Sentinels would have made him look grayer faster in the other the other world, but here he should have had But he has a whole new history, you don't know. Like he right. he could have gone through even worse stuff. Right. Yeah. It was nice to see that Halle Berry didn't screw it. <laughs> That's good. She didn't get in the way. She so was in a good. great action sequence. You know, the whole thing yes. with Magneto when the, uh, yeah. and I love the design of those Sentinel drop ships. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and oh. that's, that's a great sequence. Should have given her a mohawk though. So going back to other little Easter eggs, we don't get a Stanley cameo, but instead we get a Len Wein and Chris Claremont cameo. Yes, Chris Claremont got some lines and he actually pulled them up, pulled them off. Yeah, exactly. Although I still say, I still say Brubaker wins for the, for the best cameo of all the movies soldier, so far. Yeah. For, but, uh, for anyone but, yeah, who's, but I was like, I, I'm watching, I'm like, Claremont, Len Wein, oh my God. <laughs> for anyone who wouldn't have recognized them because they don't do Stanley frequency cameos, where were yes. they in the movie? Uh, they were the they were congressmen in the scene where Trask was trying to get the funding for the program. Mm-hmm. And they were a congressman. And Claremont had a couple of lines where he where they said, this is never going to work and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Len Wein sort of nodded his head. Yes, yeah. But uh, and now Claremont has been in the movies before. This is not the first Claremont ca- cameo, right? So he was in earlier movies, if I if memory, if memory serves. So then the post credit sequence, yes, was a tease for X Men Apocalypse, the movie they they're going to make if this movie does not bomb. Which I don't think this movie is going to bomb. I don't think it will either. Yeah. But uh, so I, I'm assuming this goes back to the first class cast for this movie, right? I guess I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you what What do you think? Well, because it's technically it's a first class trilogy. I keep calling it first class. It's a, it's the right. Fawn yeah. character trilogy. So I would assume it's you know in the eighties with Apocalypse with these characters. That's what I assume. I don't know. Right. Eighties is can, fun. It's interesting, and I th- I felt like that last scene with the in the mansion was a great sort of send off for that original cast, I mean, and to bring them back would. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's I, true. I, yeah, I think, I, and, I, and honestly, I'd rather stick with the first class cast. Yeah, like that—that's the one I'm more excited about. To be, even though I like Cyclops and all stuff like that, but I—I I mean, it, you know, Fastbender is Magneto, and McAvoy is Xavier, and that. Although I did, th- I did find it very amusing that you know, part of the uh, part of the motivation for Mystique to kill Trask is she finds out that he's been experimenting on mutants and figuring out how they work and all the stuff like that because he's a scientist. And sure enough, that just cleans house and killed all the other mutants from the first from first class. Like yeah. right. Banshee and Angel, and they're like, oh, they're all dead. I oh. liked Banshee, and I was like, I wait a minute, yeah. yeah, I was a little bummed. Poor, I, poor Havoc. He, uh, we see him briefly in the in the jungle in Vietnam, yeah. and never seen again. <laughs> well, hey, at least he's not dead like like Banshee. I mean, right, God. but like we even saw Toad again. Like, yeah, I we know, even yeah. saw those guys. He could have gotten a reaction shot at least. I mean, he was. Poor guy. Is that he doesn't look physically like a mutant. He just looks like a normal dude. You yeah. know? But, but, they, um, but they do allow for a great scene on the plane where, you know, Magneto reminds everybody, you know, like, you know, Angel, uh, Azazel, yeah. all these people that died and has this great temper tantrum. And uh, I think that was one of, my, one of my favorite Magneto scenes. Yes. How great is it that Emma Frost is dead now? So we don't have to deal with what's her face. I, uh, with, with Betty. Is trying to Jones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you don't deal with Emma anymore. Oh, no. Well, yeah, that too. She's oh, that bitch. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, where, where were we going with that? It was, yeah, no, it was. Well, for the, I, you know, the Apocalypse film. So what do we think is going to happen? I, honestly, I, I don't even know how they do it. I mean, is it going to be Age of Apocalypse? 
I don't know. You, 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 I, I don't think I've read very many apocalypse stories. I read them in the in the nineties, well, but that, I don't remember that's them. That's the thing. That's the problem. Is that the only real apocalypse story that is that is super memorable is Age of Apocalypse. Like that's the definitive Age of Apocalypse thing, which is where. Right. You know, they go back, you know, at some point in time, Xavier dies. And instead of that, you know, and because he's not there to bring the X-Men together, uh, Apocalypse takes over the world and it's a whole different universe. And Wolverine and Jean Grey are together and Wolverine only has one hand and all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, kind of an alternate timeline thing. But I feel like they they, they can't do that again. You can't do that again. Exactly. Well, and so the only, only other apocalypse stories are when he emerges and he's got his four horsemen and he and he, that's when he um, he turns angel into arch archangel. And, you know, so like, are they going to do that? They can't do that, you know, but yeah, I'm, it's it's I'm very curious to see what they come up, what comes of this. And, and I'm a little more worried about it than I am of this movie because it's Singer and his crew doing the story. You see, that's what I think was the key to this movie: the fact right. that that Singer directed directed Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman's story. Well, if their stories, the screenwriter Simon Kinberg is doing the next one too. Yeah, yeah, but but that's but that's a that's a singer guy. That's that's my concern. Right. But we'll see. I I literally have no idea what to expect. They, the, so the end credit sequence was just uh, the uh, a dude in Egypt building the pyramid and everybody around him chanting En Sabah Nor, which is Apocalypse's real name. Um, and then the camera spins around and he's like a pale, you know, guy and he's holding his hands up. It would have been cooler if they had the mouth. Right. You yeah. know, like they yeah. should have done the makeup with the mouth to make the. He Apocalypse had blue stuff. lips, but he didn't have like the ventriloquist dummy kind of yeah. things coming down. Uh, right. Love that design. Love that design. It's a great design. Um. Now you you mentioned like you don't think they could do that that again you know since they did time travel this time I think there's also the consideration might be we have to think of a way to up the game even more for the third one so maybe they would do alternate realities um, yeah, instead of doing time travel so it's that's a that's a different way of doing it and they and people seem to be impressed I mean so far the reactions I've heard uh, impressed with how they accomplish the different timelines and stuff and. Um, I mean, it's some really great structuring in the movie, how they they line it up so that, um, you know, you have the sentinel attack on the future at the same time as you're seeing in the past that um, the sentinel attack uh, in Washington, D.C. Also, we should mention uh, President Nixon is in this movie and they go (laughs) all out. And I kind of love that. Well, yeah, it reminded me of Watchmen in that regard. But um, no, I will say coming out of the movie, normally like when we walk out of these movies, you have like a strong urge to go watch the previous movies or like whatever. Although walking out of this movie, I really wanted to watch 12 Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was very tw- – yeah. had a very 12 Monkey vibe. It, it definitely – more more so than the original Days of Future Past comic. You know, right. like, but it, you know, but I, I, Paul, you're right. I think the, I think the mirroring of the White House finale in '73 with the Sentinel attack in the present or whatever day it was, like, the, and where they were kind of matching beat for beat tension, like as stuff was happening, I thought was really well done. It that's was, the, was, that's like the screenwriter in me gets really excited when I was like, oh wow, they were able to do that. They were line it, you know, line it up in parallel, real nice, and yeah. it, it yeah. doesn't feel forced. It's like that's the natural progression of both of those. Also, I love. That uh, the 1973 Beast invents DVR. And, and it takes <laughs> oh, and that's the, other, that's the other thing, too. Did you notice the uh, the Star Trek episode playing? Yeah. Uh, which one was it? It was The Naked Time. The Naked Time, which is oh, an episode oh. where it, uh, it's uh, where something happens to the crew and everybody's going crazy. And so Kirk um, pulls a maneuver that makes them go back three days um, to stop it from happening. Oh, interesting. Which, yeah, is, like well, I was, the, which is more like what the, the future X-Men were doing. 
Yeah, yeah well, I was like, I was like, well, now that's a layered Easter egg. That's pretty. <laughs> uh, like that is clever. That is well done. <laughs> so did this film, Ron, wipe away your distaste or uh, your uh, your shame? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh no, I mean, like, well, you remember, I loved First Class, and yes. I'm like, this is a new, this is a new beginning. It's great. And the reason why I was so nervous about this was because of going back, this, going back, and singer and stuff like that. But they they retconned it. They retconned <laughs> it. They fixed it. I'm I'm and I'm I'm elated. I can't believe it. I honestly like it's. <laughs> I was a little shocked. I think everyone was a little shocked, but but pleased at the same time. Um, well, one thing I was thinking about during this film was that you know, since the X Men trilogy came out and sort of ushered in this new age of comic book movies, you know, the Marvel Studios Avengers films have taken over as the zeitgeist films, but uh, you know, I think people, I think a lot of it was that third film people sort of forgot how awesome these X-Men movies were, yep. mm-hmm. and I thought that feeling came back with this one, in that you know, these are, you know, the Spider-Man movies are what they are Fantastic Four movies are what they are, but these X-Men movies are still, they still hold up pretty well against those Marvel Studios movies when they're oh, done yeah. right, yeah. When, they're, when they're done well, and it's, uh, that's something that made me happy, because I, well, I wasn't out of comics like Paul. I was out of X-Men comics when I saw that first Singer X-Men movie. And that one, that movie brought me back to reading X-Men books again. Mm-hmm. And I think that movie did a lot of, a lot of good for, for, for those characters. And, uh, um, and I just was so happy that it was, that it was going so well when I, thought, when I had a thought in the middle of the movie. I was like, this is, these, movies, these characters are great. These actors yeah. are great. These actors really do, you know, do these characters great. And these, these, together they're fun. And I, I, I love that. And I really, and I really think First Class kind of, you know, kind of reignited it because it, it it reminded you of what the potential of the characters could be, and it reminded you of of the the great bones that the franchise was built around, you mm-hmm. know, like the, you know, and and I mean, First Class is First Class is a, I mean, it's a fantastic if, movie. I, if I have to grade movies and all this sort of stuff, um, First Class still gets my A grade. Right. Sure. This probably gets an A minus. And then X two gets a B plus. X Men one gets a is probably like a B B plus. And then uh, I don't I don't acknowledge the other movie. And I'm not counting the Wolverine movies and all that sort of stuff. Right. But but you know like so to me first class is still kind of the pinnacle. But like this came real close. This came super super close. Um, so now the other question is if if X Men Apocalypse is indeed and I suspect it is a first class movie. Yep. They've sort of painted themselves in the corner in terms of characters they can use. Because most of the first class cast is dead, right? And so we and and most of the other recognizable characters we've seen in the future, so they can't have younger versions. So you're basically stuck with Xavier, Magneto, Beast, Mystique, Quicksilver. Well, is there is there a way in the timeline to do like a super young Cyclops? Like, I was just gonna say they can introduce the eighties. Yeah, they can introduce new characters and give us younger versions of the characters we've already seen. And too. I guess because the timeline's different now, theoretically. <clears throat> Excuse me. They could find Wolverine earlier, and they could yeah. bring Hugh Jackman back. But they are sort of going to have a, have to have a very focused cast in this final film because there are not a lot of people left. The yeah. other the other question mark for me was I guess there's so many more X Men they could bring in other ones, but they wouldn't be recognized. Right. The, the the question mark for me was, I, and I don't understand. I don't I don't entirely know where they're going with this, but the whole thing with um, Mystique pretending to be striker when they pull Wolverine out of the so what does that mean well cuz right. i think i think they're trying to fix cuz oh, here's here's the one big problem with the x-men movie continuity and now we're going to get super nerdy right. wolverine and striker are the thing that don't work that doesn't add up because if you go back to in if you go back to what was it x2 or whatever it was where we got the more glimpses of him and the, the weapon x program and that yeah, sort of thing um striker was brian cox with the with the with the gray hair and the beard and stuff yeah, like that and we while even see doing, him in this while movie, they're doing that in, Wolf, in the wolverine origins movie striker and wolverine meet each other in vietnam 
Right. And there's no mention of Wolverine being in Vietnam. There's no mention – Stryker is is younger in this movie than he was in the Wolverine movie. So not it's, only did they, they retcon out X and Last yeah. Stand, they kind of retconned out those Wolverine movies. But either they're retconning the Wolverine <laughs> movies or they're, they're they're trying to throw in a wild card that, that can allow you to have it make sense in your head. I don't know. The well, stick- because well, they, they must because him going back in time changes the timeline, right? Because right, yeah. originally they don't find him until X-Men. But right. now he finds he finds them. In the seventies, right. so the, now the whole timeline is completely yeah. Changed. So X one yeah. and X two are both are, sort of like things they reckon that all the movies are on. Probably wow. some of those experiences could still happen, just in slightly different ways. It's just right. X three with all the finality of it is the one that's the most yeah. affected. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, there's a, there's an argument to be made that that they pulled Wolverine out of the Potomac and then he's in the Weapon X program. But why would Mystique be doing that? Like, right. I don't understand. Like that. Yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah, so. Really yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I guess we'll. F- you can look forward to Channing Tatum's Gambit taking on Apocalypse in, in a couple of years. Jesus. I was thinking Jesus. it would be funny if they wanted to do alternate realities. They could have two different versions of Gambit, and you know, one is Taylor Kitsch and one is Channing Tatum. <laughs> oh, God, handsome. That. Well, well. So the 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 estimates on this for Friday were uh, thirty six million on for the movie in terms of well, box three day weekend. So I, I yep. expect it will it will. Do over a hundred million dollars. Probably really uh, good uh, word of mouth too for anybody who was on the fence, and then you know people yes. checking it out. They're like, "You got it." So it'll be interesting to see second weekend as well. I wholeheartedly recommend this, and it's funny yep. because I do too. We have been my group of friends here in LA have been going to the same restaurant that's right by the movie theater and getting the same pineapple drinks, and then going <laughs> to the movies. And we've been on a really bad streak <laughs> of doing that that particular activity. We last week was Godzilla. The week before that, well, not week before that, but before that was Prometheus and Man of Steel. And so we've seen all these really terrible movies. I wouldn't say Godzilla was terrible, but it wasn't very good. Right. Uh, all these movies that we were disappointed by in a row. And so we're sitting there having these drinks, going, "Should we have done this? Should we have gone somewhere else? Right. We just jinxed this film, but this film broke the jinx. This is a great movie. I can I hard hardly recommend it to everyone uh, out there listening." Just, just so much fun. So hey, cool. I kind of want to put uh, put some of those other movies back in the in the Blu-ray player and see if you know this movie retcon some of those, and they might be better now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, can I, does this mean I can finally throw out my unopened uh, X Men Three last the Last Stand DVD that I bought all those years ago and couldn't even open it? <laughs> the the disc that for years Josh and I made fun of you for buying. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just gonna throw it out ceremoniously, similarly how I threw out the fourth disc of the Indiana Jones Blu-ray set. <laughs> there you go. Just go ahead. Um, Life's yeah, too short, Ron. It's not, short. Even, it's not even continuity anymore, so there you go. Hey, listen, as as the resident X-Men fan and still am, I know a lot of people ask, now that I work for Image, do I still read comics? And do I still read? Yes, I still read X-Men comics. But as the X-Men fan, this uh, much like First Class, I walked out of the theater with a huge dumb grin on my face and feeling satisfied that like the franchise that I love is represented very well in the movies. Like I'm 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 I tip my hat to Singer. You know who knows what he does in his spare time? That's his own his own I, business. I was we were I wasn't yeah. I, <laughs> look, there's there's a lot of things about Brian Singer going on outside the movie which we're, I didn't even want to deal with because right now agree. So I don't know what's going on. We haven't. But a lot of that, allegations and it's horrible. They're horrible allegations, but nothing's. He hasn't been accused in court yet. He hasn't been tried in court yet. So that I'm just, that, I'm just that said that though, it. he made a very good movie, and I tip my hat to him. Even so. an X Men hater like Paul loved this movie. I no, I uh, I, I I was I, I frowned a bit when I saw Cyclops, but there was enough great <laughs> I, Magneto. 
I w- I'll was. admit I was I was worried. I was worried when when Connor's like, oh yeah, we'll do the podcast with Paul too. I'm like, oh Paul, really? He's gonna he's gonna shit on something, but you didn't. No, I loved it. I uh, know what I, I know what I did like is that speaking of Magneto. So um, well, I didn't like his helmet in this movie. I liked oh, really? that. I wanted the helmet from the end of First Class, like the shiny purple one. Like why didn't they? they but this one. But there's the moment when uh, he gets laid out when after he gets shot uh, on uh, at the White House yes. and Mystique. Kind of pulls the no no it was before Mystique pulls the the helmet off to let Charles control him yeah when when he falls you kind of see that the the helmet is not metal that it was like rubber or plastic or oh. something because it, it bent a little and I was just like oh not good luck but was, I think uh, the cravat makes up for it oh oh my god I totally forgot how when he goes in to get the helmet when he goes in, when he when he walks right into the Department of Defense. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing the flamboyant haughty oh, hat. Like he, he sells that hat. Oh like, yeah, I, I love was, that. I was. He can wear that wide brim fedora. He I love that it. Magneto has a little air of flamboyance to him. He's you a know, bit of a dandy. He's a little yeah. bit of a dandy. Yeah, like, and Ian McKellen started that in the first movie. First and right when he goes to yeah. see Charles talk. Yeah, I thought about yeah, that. Yeah, he's got the big hat and always wearing the cape. I love it. A little bit of a dandy. Love it. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I mean, he pulls it off. You got to be a really handsome man to pull a half hat off like yeah. that. But you that, know, hat was, that hat was enormous. That brim was, was huge. Perfect. Um, at, you know, but even as a Johnny Come Lately X Men fan, I'm, I've really been enjoying the comics lately. I, I of course loved uh, you know First Class and the first two X Men movies. Um, so I, I like X Men. I give Cyclops a hard time, but I loved it. I was, but I was even more excited to hear that guys like you, Ron, and then my friend Brett, who's a huge X Men fan, like were you know over the moon about this movie. Um, I'm just glad that, you know, the X-Men fans seem to really be enjoying it as well. Oh, yeah. I, I, I defy any any X-Men fan who's a huge X-Men fan to not enjoy this movie like that. There, it, it has everything, all the earmarks of what you wanted out of an X-Men movie. You've got great character interplay. You've got great use of powers. You've got little Easter eggs back to the comics. You've got little nods that only will get, you know, like, the, it, oh, it's perfect. It was now great. The ball is in Joss Whedon's court to do his Quicksilver because this one was awesome. Yeah. And everyone was talking about how. They were going to get embarrassed by the ex- by the Avengers using the same character, but yeah, I have no complaints about Quicksilver. I even liked his outfit. Yeah, it, no, it, I, it, Quicksilver was Quicksilver stole the show. That was yes. that was that that was the thing where you're like, oh, I want more of that. Like that was so well done. It was I would great. say that I would say yeah, Quicksilver, and then to a lesser extent, Blink. Like that's yeah, Blink was power. Awesome. Yeah, Blink was great. Well, Everybody like, wanted to go home and play Portal after. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that was such a smart use of the powers and the way the whole team worked together and all stuff like that. Um, I still, I, back to nitpicks, I don't love the effect of Colossus. No, it doesn't look mm-hmm. good. I still think that could have yeah. done a little better. Although when they ripped him in half, I was like, whoa, that's pretty. Well, hard the thing is, even though you know, as a fan of these movies and characters, you know that the, in the end they're all going to be saved. When they all started getting killed in the future, it was really sad. Yeah, and you heard in my audience, people were people were awing, you know, when like Colossus got ripped in half and. When Bobby dies, and someone clapped when Storm got stabbed. <laughs> that was a really. She was great, I thought, and then that scene was sad too. Like it was just, you know, it was a really well done movie, and the audience totally bought into this one. This was like, yeah, they yeah. they cheered, they cried, they didn't cry, but they you know they sighed, they they gasped. They, it was really it was really fun to see a movie in a, with a theater like that. And one people. more thing, it was it was really cool that moment in the beginning. The storytelling is great when you realize what how th- their whole process where they go back in time, just you know, or just send bishops consciousness back in time to warn them and yeah. so that, so what if you watch it again you know you get to enjoy that great um that great moment where kitty and and bobby pass each other and that knowing glance between the two we mm-hmm. know like we've been through this before 
And, right. you know, but I'll see you on the other side no matter what happens. Yeah. Bobby was a badass. I like Bobby was great. Yeah, he was I like great. That, they, that he is, they, they've done the justice to Iceman. He's not the joke. Yeah. He's. And and I was impressed that they, they they kept Bishop's powers pretty much as they are, like by having what are somebody. Bishop's powers. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop, Bishop's powers that he can Is he turn like rogue? Kinetic. No, it's kind of like um, he absorbs energy. You no, know, he it's kind of like almost like Gambit in in that. Well, okay. he, it's exactly because in the nineties, yeah. all the new X Men had the same powers. Yeah, which is basically they could t- turn kinetic energy back. So if you if you shoot him with whatever energy bolt you have, he absorbs it and then, and then shoots it back basically. Okay. So, cool and he power. was just channeling it through that red gun, which, okay, fine. That's fine. But, um, but it was, it was well done. It was, it was really, really well done. War, Warpath was, was had his knives and it's yeah. like, it was, you know, it was great too. I yeah. They were all really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so really although although it says it says a lot about what Hickman's done with Sunspot and Cannonball and that when I saw Sunspot, I was like, where's Cannonball? So, Yeah. <laughs> So that was X-Men Days of Future Past. We all heartily enjoy it and, and uh, we all endorse it. And just yep. for fun, go back on the go back and listen as I break a glass. Go back and listen to the X-Men The Last Stand podcast, which you can still find, which uh, I will link to in the show notes because it's a nice it'll be a nice uh, counterpoint to this podcast in almost every single way, including uh, an appearance by Josh Flanagan, guest host of iFanboy. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Paul, do we have any? We have, I guess, Sin City's coming up for the for another one of these. Oh God, really? Um, I when guess is that? doing that one solo? Perhaps. I completely no, I completely forgot. No, I'll see it. I just completely forgot about it. See that? See that? See that trailer for the Secret Service? Not in the theater, but I saw see it online. It oh, online, right? That's gonna be fun. My boy Miller showing up with a good movie. It looks like. Good. Was that a was that an icon book? Yeah, it was an icon book. Yeah, I for a second you were shilling, but that's that's okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. No, well, no, I'm shilling. Go read Starlight. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> thank you, Ron, for coming back. Oh, it was great uh, to be back. It was. It wouldn't have been right without doing this movie with, without you. So, uh, I gotta really... tell you guys. I gotta tell you guys. Not a week goes by that I don't miss it. Yeah. So, yeah. good times. So thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks, Ron, for coming back. Thank you uh, all. And check out ifanboy.com where you can find co- the post on this show. You can comment on the film. Tell us what you thought. Let's discuss the movie in the comment section at ifanboy as well as you can find all of our other podcasts there, including uh, there's been a bunch of special edition podcasts this last couple of months. We had Son of Batman. We had uh, we had what was the other movie? Spider-Man. Captain America. Captain Spider-Man 2. We had a bunch in the last. Spider-Man 2 one was a lot of fun. I enjoyed listening to that one. Thank you very so, much. Yeah. Uh, so thanks. everyone, thanks for listening. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ron. Bye. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. I've looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go 